Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio. And I'm so excited about our episode today because we're going to be talking with Matt Patterson, he is the real deal. He is the customer evangelist at Help Scout. And I love what, what this show is morphing into. I don't know if you've been listening to us from the very, very beginning of Amazing Business Radio, which is now at least a couple of years old. What was fun is that we had a general business show. I was actually with CBS, and we were doing a show that was not only heard across their digital network, but also occasionally it would be heard on their regular radio shows and perhaps they cut segments into smaller pieces to uh, if you're on United Airlines you might have heard some of the work as well. It was a general business show and we were getting experts and authors and all types of interesting business people. Well, about a year ago we made the transition into a straight customer service show which is really in alignment with what I do and what I focus on in my career as a customer service and experience expert. And it's been a lot of fun. We interviewed an awful lot of great authors, and we're going to have many more authors in the future that we interview and learn from. But lately, I have found it fascinating to actually go into the real world, and uh, not that the authors aren't in the real world. Some of them are. Some of them are actually executives that have written books or or are former executives of companies. But I think it's fun to talk to people that are in an organization and uh, then we, we asked them, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now to, to build a customer service culture, to create better service, to create a better customer experience? And that's what today's show is going to be with Matt Patterson. Now, before we get into this, I know we're going to be talking to Matt about how to scale and grow a customer service organization. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're a small company that's all of a sudden getting bigger, and, and, and Matt's going to tell us about his experience. But if you're a large company, and you, for somehow, uh, for some reason, start to grow. Maybe it's by acquiring another large company. All of a sudden, you're going to be going through some of those same growing pains in the world of service that even a small company that gets bigger gets into. But I thought it might be fun to just kind of kick off with something that's that's really important. And and as I think about why companies might fail at customer service, partially it's because they grow into something different than they are right now. They become more successful. They have more sales. They're adding more people. But I want to share with you right now a number of reasons as to why your customer service might be failing at your company. And here's the first one. There's no clear definition of what customer service looks like in an organization. So if if I go up to somebody and I ask them, what does great customer service mean to your company? And that person tells me, and then I go to another person in the company they may give me a completely different answer. So I love it when a company decides to create a service vision that's easily remembered, it's manageable, um, it's, it's uh, again, easily repeatable if, if not remembered, So and everybody understands it. Give you a quick example of this, uh, a real simple, short, one-sentence phrase, which, by the way, is what I like to focus on, what I call a mantra, the customer service mantra. And, you know, I keep talking about the Ritz-Carlton, but I'm not going to talk about them right now. I'm going to talk about another company that says uh, ha- has a four-word phrase. It just goes like this. Put the customer first. Put the customer first, period. Put the customer first. Four words. Now, here's the question. If you're out there talking to your team about something 
and you're coming up with a new idea, you just raise your hand and what's the best question to ask? And that is this. Well, we're talking about a new idea. Is this going to put the customer first? Question mark. Is whatever you're working on in alignment with your vision? So if there's no clear definition of what customer service looks like in your organization, you're not going to be able to uh, have that exercise and clearly articulate whether what you're getting ready to do does stay in alignment with keeping the customer first. All right, so that's number one, no definition. Another reason companies fail is they put good people in the wrong jobs. They may be great people, but a customer service culture starts with the right people. And even though there's plenty of great people, some of them aren't suited for a customer-focused organization. And it could be that they're excellent at what they do, but their personality doesn't fit in. They might even have a good hospitality mentality that's focused on the customer, but because of the type of business you're in, and maybe the culture you have, their personality doesn't fit. So I know there's this old saying that goes, you know, hire for attitude, train the skill. But here's the thing. You don't just need a great attitude and even skill. You need the right personality to fit in with the company's culture. That's number two. Good people aren't necessarily in the right job. Number three, there's a lack of proper training. And, you know, I love to talk about training. Training's not something you did when people were onboarded or it's something you decide to uh, do one time as we come up with a new concept. No, training is something you do all the time. Training's not something you did. It's something you do. And it reinforces and emphasizes what good customer service looks like. And if you go back to uh, that first idea that you need a good definition, a good vision for service, if you're not constantly training and reminding people to go back to that vision and look at it again and again, then you're missing a great opportunity. Uh, And lack of training is probably the reason that's happening. Number four, you treat the customer service in your company like it's a department. Everybody who's listening to the show knows I believe customer service is not a department. It's a philosophy to be embraced by everyone. So please get everybody the right training. Get everybody to understand the vision. Get everybody to understand that they impact the customer's experience. And a big part of that is service. And finally, number five, uh, companies fail for this simple reason in customer service. They they, They treat the employees one way. And then expect them to go out and treat the customer a completely different way. You know, I've been talking for years about something I call the employee golden rule, which I think is a great concept. It's where it's, you know, the old golden rule that comes from, you know, biblical days where um, it's do unto others as you would want done unto yourself. But if we turn it around, it's do unto your employees the way you want your customers to do unto the customer. I'm sorry, do unto your employees the way you want the employees to do unto the customer. In other words, treat them as well as you want the customers treated, if not even better. And I know that's not always easy to do because sometimes you have to talk to employees about things that aren't working. But, you know, if overall people are fulfilled in their jobs and they enjoy working somewhere and they've got a pretty good person to work with and they're being treated right, they're going to turn around and emulate that behavior toward the customer. So, Those are five simple reasons a company might be failing at customer service. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to go all the way to the other side of the world and talk to Matt Patterson, who currently lives in Australia, and it's very early in the morning over there. So uh, I know I don't think we're going to wake him up because I think the guy's a pretty early riser. 
but I know we're going to have a great conversation. What a great way for him to start his day and us to have a great part of our day, and that is talking to him about something that we all know is very important, and that is how to create an amazing customer service experience. We'll be right back after this short break. My name's Shep Hyken. This is Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you a great interview today, and we're not going to let you down. We have Matt Patterson, who actually has a pretty interesting background. He served as uh, the lead to a customer service team at Campaign Monitor. And if you followed any of my work, you know I've written uh, some great examples of great customer service in the past, and Camp Campaign Monitor uh, showed that uh, they go above and beyond. But since that time of Campaign Monitor, he went on to uh, work with a company called Help Scout, who they craft basically exceptional help desk and customer service tools that companies can use. Great organization. I've been following them for a number of years. And uh, Matt Patterson is the customer evangelist for Help Scout. So, Matt, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're going to have fun today, and we're going to talk about something that's really, really important, and that is how a company can scale their customer service. If you're a small company that's getting bigger, or even if you're a big company and you happen to experience some growth, a lot of times, even if your customer service is at a, is at a pretty good level, you find that you have pain as you start to add people and grow people. Admittedly, if you're really great at what you do and you're a large company, it's probably easier to scale it to a little bit bigger. But if you're small and you're growing and you're growing fast, I think this is where a lot of companies struggle. So, Matt, let, let's go ahead and start there. But, you know, what? before we do that, I always like to get into the background. And I gave everybody a very brief background of what you did at Campaign Monitor, who, by the way, is an email marketing type of, of uh, system type of company, and a little background that you have at Help Scout. Give us, give us a little bit more detail before we get into it all. Absolutely. So actually, my very first job uh, was in customer service, too. I was doing customer service kind of technical support, really, for a software company in Sydney that provided software for uh, accountants training to become financial planners. And that was pretty much exactly as exciting as that sounds. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, doesn't that <laughs> sound exciting? By the way, can you hear the voice, the accent? Uh, we're over here in the U.S. doing the show, but Matt, we're actually talking to you very early in the morning over there at uh, in Australia. Yes, it's a beautiful sunrise coming up over the ocean from my office here. I'm very fortunate. Nice, nice. All right, so go ahead with your background. Sorry about that. There you go. Squirrel, shiny right, object. Was, we got uh, interrupted. <laughs> I was uh, running that support team, yeah. So I think I was pretty good at the technical support side and not so good at, at actually running a team in those days. I was very young and inexperienced, and I kind of uh, got quietly shuffled off to the side when, uh, in those days when web design was very new and we needed someone to do that. And uh, I had minimal 
experience in that area. And so I became the web designer there. And I was a web designer for the next eight years for, for some big companies and as a freelancer and a contractor. Uh, and then, yeah, when I came back into customer service, it was to join Campaign Monitor, which was just four people at the time. And I was the first customer service person there. So I uh, went through that growth period of, of a very small company. And, and by the time I left, there was more than 200 people in Campaign Monitor and the, the customer service team there that I built up was 27 people or so. Uh, so I went through a, a long period of growth um, and a bunch of different pain points through that through that growth. And then I think earlier this year was when I decided to, to make that change and join HelpScout, which again, I'd been following too for, for a number of years and was a big fan of. And I joined HelpScout in order to kind of combine, I think, my interest in communication and explanation and teaching and training kind of thing and customer service and, and really melding those two things into uh, into this new role. All right. So that's some great background. So everybody knows we're talking to a guy that's done it, lived it, and is, uh, as a result has real-life uh, expertise and experience in this. So the idea is, and I love it, you see you started, uh, I believe, a campaign monitor. There were four of you, and when you ended – there were 200, and it's really easy to deliver customer service when there's only a few people and everybody's on the same page and in alignment, and they understand the vision, and it's and it's probably pretty easy. But then all of a sudden they start to grow, and there's more customers, and all of a sudden, uh, wow, how can we handle all of these people? Now we got to start hiring people. How can we hire people and get them to get into alignment with their culture and their vision? And that's what we want to talk about today, and that's what you're going to share with us. I hope. That's right. It's a, <laughs> no, you're right. It's absolutely. It's a as a small team. It's really quite easy. I think you know. I used to um, I was, I was running that team. The team was just me, and uh, you would notice things like these things are what's irritating our customers. We're getting all these you know, customer complaints or questions about this particular area of the application, campaign monitor, the web application, and uh, thinking about. How do I? How do we resolve this? Well, we can change the product, and that was easy to do. And there's only three other people. I can just turn my chair and talk to the founder of the company or the, the lead developer, and we'd figure something out. And because they can feel that pain point themselves, uh, and it's very direct and immediate, it was easy to do. And it doesn't scale that well because by the time you get to a bigger team, you suddenly start to realize, oh, now now the development team, the engineering team, they've got their own set of priorities. And they're trying to get their own jobs done. They've got their own budget. They've got different managers, and they're reporting differently. And uh, it's not so easy to just ask for things and have them done. And you have to figure out new ways to do it, new ways to find influence in the company at a larger scale. Right. So you just and can't turn around sell- and talk to the CEO when there's several hundred people um, in your company. And you know, I'm assuming they probably moved you into an area with these people. And now you have your own office, not one big room with a big table with all four of you sitting around it. Uh, so it's definitely quite a different feel. That's right. So we, yeah, we had, uh, you know, we had two different offices and a, a lot of people in San Francisco and some in Sydney. And then we had remote people too. And, uh, you just don't, uh, when there's that many people, you're not exposed to everybody else's individual situations every day. They're, they're, everyone's busy and your CEO now has 12 different teams that they're looking after instead of just two when it's a very small company. So how do you and get so, everybody yeah, into alignment yeah. here? I mean, now we've got an issue. You're hiring from people all over the world. And like you said, there's many different departments that have their own agendas. Yet you're trying to 
take care of the one person or organization that probably is most crucial to the company, and that is the customer. And because without customers, you don't have a company. And if you don't take care of those customers, those customers are going away. So how do you get everybody in alignment? And that, that's the challenge. I think for us, well, for me anyway, part of it was a, an attitude issue that I had, and I think I see this a lot. So I work, I work in you know kind of small companies in the area where there's lots of you know, software as a service companies. And I see this a lot in other, uh, other companies that I talk to kind of develop this attitude of like we've got to protect customer service uh, the department you know we've got to look after our team and have a tendency to kind of bubble up and, and try and protect it from the rest of the business and of course it doesn't work uh, you just end up restricting yourself and you come to that point where you realize what we have to do is be connected to all parts of the company because if we want to if we want to make an make a difference here if we want to have an impact i need not just the customer service people to care about customer service but i need the CEO all the way down uh, and all areas of the company to realize that we look after the customers, we're looking after the company generally. Uh, and how you do that, well, that's that's pretty tough. And I, I went through a period of trying to figure that out. And for me, I think it was, I needed to speak the language of some of those other teams in the company. Like I didn't do an MBA, I didn't have that background. I had some exposure, um, but I, I realized later on in my career at Campaign Monster especially, I need to figure out how these other teams are talking, what they're, how they set their priorities and how they decide what to do so that I can figure out how to align myself with like, okay, if you do this and we do this in customer service, it's going to be useful for everybody. Uh, once I started, stopped trying to kind of uh, operate in the way that had worked as a small company by just asking people like, could we do this? Because you, often you'll get the answer, sure we can. But it just goes onto the list of 100 other projects that are going to get done. Right, right, and that's that's tough to do. What about um, you know? I believe that uh, you know I have the six step process, and people that have listened to the show know my process. Uh, but just to refresh everybody's memory and introduce you to it. Number one is you have to define what your customer service wants to be. Number two, it's communicated. Number three, everybody's trained to it, and obviously, people in the accounting department or the warehouse are going to be trained differently than somebody that's truly on the front line, but they all understand what's behind the vision. And then uh, the job is to, you know, really for leadership to demonstrate it. And then number five is to keep everybody into alignment. And I think that's kind of where we are right now is, is like, how do you get everybody going in the right direction? And the number six, if it all works, you celebrate it. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. I, I always call the six, six simple steps that necessarily uh, aren't so simple, but, but they are easy to understand um, as far as that goes. But uh, simple doesn't mean easy to implement. Um, how do you feel about that? Is that what we're trying to do? Everybody has to be going in the same direction. And before they can go there, they've got to know what direction it is. Yeah, you, you need the vision to be out there of like, what are we actually trying to achieve here? I think something that Campaign Monitor did really well was exposing the rest of the company to what the customer service actually looked like. So we had our we had a nice office in Sydney, um, you know, in the later years, in the early years, we had a very small room. But later on, we had quite a nice office on the top of the tower and a big lunch area where everyone would come together and eat at the same time every day. And in that big room, we had big televisions uh, along the walls. And every day it would show the customer service rating, like the last hundred pieces of custom feedback we'd got, you know, whether they were good or bad or neutral and actual comments from customers kind of rotating through. And so it was impossible to avoid seeing the direct customer impact of the things that people were doing, even if that's not their 
immediate job. Wow, that's a great and idea. So I could, yeah, it's just yeah. to share that information with everybody. And, yeah, and I could tell what it was working because if the numbers were, were low, I would suddenly get a whole bunch of people coming up to ask me what's going on. Like, hey, you've slept, you know, you're on 94 yesterday, you're on 92 today, what's going on? And that's a, that's a way into a lot of conversations about, actually, you could help me with this because, you know, the thing we're struggling with is we need to modify our financial process here because it's causing some friction. Um, so if I'm talking to a finance team, then I have a way into that conversation and ability to kind of connect my goals with their goals. Right. And, if, and, and you know what the thing is, is that everybody actually sees it. It's graphically shown on monitors throughout the company. Here's where we are compared to yesterday, the day before. And we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, I want to talk more about that concept. And uh, I believe there's an old Tom Peters story uh, that ties into this concept of, of the number that gets people to move and gravitate toward, you know, trying to excel and beat that number. Uh, and it also reminds me of what Peter Drucker used to say uh, when it comes to management. You can't manage what you don't measure. So we'll be right back. When we come back, we'll talk about that. We've been talking with Matt Patterson. He is the customer evangelist at Help Scout. So don't go away. We're coming back with some more great information. Well, you know, so many of the people we have on Amazing Business Radio are authors and customer service experts. But what I want to talk to you about now is the book by my buddy John DeJulius titled The Customer Service Revolution. It's not only a book that every manager should read, but also every employee. John illustrates ways to teach every member of your organization to have empathy and compassion for their customers, internal customers as well as external customers. And that will build relationships, create emotional connections, and foster brand loyalty for you and your organization. So if you want to have a customer service revolution of your own, this book is for you. It's The Customer Service Revolution by John DeJulius, available in bookstores and, of course, Amazon.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. Shep Hyken here talking with Matt Patterson of Help Scout. And when we left right before the break, he had mentioned that there are monitors that everybody in the company gets to look at and see what the ratings are in customer service, the comments that our customers are having. And it reminded me of an old Tom Peters story. And I'm going to probably botch this story up pretty well. But basically, uh, there are three shifts at this company's manufacturing plant. And when the one shift went in, uh, they made whatever it is they were making, they made a certain number. Let's call it they made 35 of whatever it is they were making. And when they came out, they actually wrote on the sidewalk in chalk the number 35, really big for everybody on the next shift to see as they walked in. And somebody asked, what's that number on the, uh, that's, that's etched into the sidewalk in chalk? And somebody said, well, that's how many of whatever it is they were making they made. And that shift said, you know what, we can do better than that. And they made, instead of 35, they made 37. And so they went out, they crossed out the number, and they wrote the number 37 for the next shift to see as they walked in. And over a very short period of time, that number grew from the original number of 35 from that first shift to a, a much larger number. And part of the reason was, and by the way, that first shift came around again the next day, and they saw that their number had been beaten, and they excelled. So what was happening is that they were recognizing that, hey, there's a number. It's a goal to work toward, and it's a number to benchmark with. 
and maybe we can do better with that number. And it sounds to me like that's kind of what you're talking about here, Matt, with customer service, is that uh, we put the numbers and the comments up there, and people in the finance department say, hey, what's going on? Our numbers are slipping. Look at that comment. What can we do to help? Is that right? Exactly right, yes. Once they, once it's visible, um, you know, something that's very, that visible in the company, if you're new to the company, it seems like this must be an important thing to us because it's here, it's in front of everyone's faces. Uh, and I think that really did make a difference. Um, although in metrics, it's a tricky one because you don't uh, – you often can't reduce customer service to a particular number or an individual number. And so I think this is an area where you have to be careful that you're measuring something which is which is a reasonable approximation of the quality of service. Right, but there's numbers. That that, is great. Yeah. Right, and numbers you can give everybody to give them an idea of where we are. Um, they just have to know where yeah. we started. And also when they see specific exactly. comments coming from customers, well, I think that would say a lot as well. Yes. Yeah. And I think the thing that it was very useful to have the particular comments because I I used to try and say this all the time. We have fantastic customer satisfaction ratings, but a huge chunk of those are really not to do with customer service as much as the product itself, like the work the rest of the company is doing to create this product, which is so reliable and effective. People love it. And so a big part of that basis is really what the rest of the company is doing and exposing that number and sharing that story with them makes them feel like, you know, the stuff that we do matters to the customers here, and we're showing it publicly for everybody. Yeah, and that, by the way, is a concept that is the difference between customer service, which is truly the interactions that a person has with another person, the customer, versus the customer experience, which is overall. And I think overall, we want to create an experience, service being included, that's high enough to get people to want to come back and do business with us again, uh, especially, you know, and, and again and again and again, you know, creating that loyalty. You only get that is if is if everything's working, uh, because no matter, you know, how good. Uh, and I know this is a line that I have written down from the notes prior to our show. Matt, you sent this in. I'm going to read this exactly how you wrote it. No matter how good the customer service team is at providing service, if the rest of the company isn't on board, they won't be able to succeed reliably. And what you're basically saying is while this, the rest of that team may not produce direct customer service, they impact that service with the experiences they create, whether it be the packaging of a product, the reliability of the product, the quality of the product. And, of course, it comes back to when the customer finally interacts with us, what are we doing to give them an experience that you know, proves that they made the right decision to do business with us? Yes, yes. And I think this, we've all had this experience, or maybe we haven't, but certainly I have, of dealing with a business where the people are super friendly and helpful, but just the, the actual product or the service that they're providing you is inconsistent, and it becomes just really frustrating. Like, uh, we have a, a cleaner that comes in and is really nice to talk to and friendly and turns up on time, but the, the actual job they do isn't that good. It doesn't matter how good <laughs> right, they are. Right, So the, Customer interactions are. Yeah, Lou Stearns, Professor Lou Stearns at Northwestern uh, University, the Kellogg Business School. Uh, I I went and and actually did a great class with him one day, and this was what his take was. No matter how good the service is, if the product doesn't do what it's supposed to do, somebody is going to say, you know what, I'll go somewhere where they don't treat me quite as well if they just give me a product that works. Conversely, Conversely, if the uh, product is is terrible, uh, no matter how nice the people are, 
and how good the service is. Oh, wait, did I, or am I going the other way around? I'm getting, getting, getting confused. Basically, the product and the service both have to be great. Best service in the world doesn't matter if the product doesn't work. Best product in the world doesn't matter if the service is just okay. They'll move on to somewhere else. And that was a great revelation. It's like one plus one doesn't equal two. It's more than two. It's the sum is greater than the parts. And sometimes we forget. Let's give them the greatest service in the world. But if your product doesn't do what it's supposed to do, you know, hey, like you said, if we're a cleaning company and we can be really friendly, if we're not keeping the place clean, they're going to go find some place, some some other company that will keep the place clean. Yeah, everybody has their own level of what they're what they're happy with, but I think this is something Help Scout does really 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 well internally. The customer service team at Help Scout are so well integrated with the rest of the company, so that those complaints that you get, you know, something's not working or something is broken or could be improved. That those things don't just start and end with the customer team. That they make their way into the product team and they they get the attention of you know senior people in the company and priorities are changed and improvements are made and that all flows through. And when you have a disconnect between the customer team, no matter how good they are at you know having those individual interactions, if that information doesn't go any further, it doesn't go into the rest of the company. You know, it's it's kind of futile in the end. You would just get stuck. You right. stop improving. All you're doing is is you're resolving issues. And you know what? If it's the same issue over and over again, why does it keep happening over and over again? <laughs> why can't we fix what happens over and over again, um, or at least at least uh, mitigate it a bit? So we are starting to run out of time. And I always love to ask the final question as to what's the one thing that if you could make sure that the audience listening to this show remembers, what would it be? I think I would send a message to so people like me who are in small teams, maybe running customer service in a small team and growing. If that's you uh, or if you you know, coming into that situation, the thing to remember is that it doesn't matter how good you are at doing your job if you, if you haven't figured out how to influence the rest of the company. That customer service culture in the rest of the company, it has to be there. As, as you grow, it becomes more and more important to figure out how to make that happen. Uh, so that's what I would tell people to focus on. So I love that. So you're you're basically emphasizing something I believed in and been preaching for years and years. You, it, there's a big difference between the customer service department and the customer service culture. What happens on the inside of an organization, completely throughout the organization, is going to be felt on the outside by the customer, proving that customer service is not only a department, it's really a philosophy, and it needs to be embraced by everyone. So... Well, a good way of, of, you know, a different way of saying it, but I think it makes the same point. Yes, absolutely. So, hey, Matt, you're awesome. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I know it's really early in the morning in Australia, but like you said, the sun's coming up. It's going to be a beautiful day, and we hope everybody has a beautiful day. Everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Amazing Business Radio. We've been talking with Matt Patterson, who is the customer evangelist over at Help Scout. If you want to learn more about Help Scout, just go to, what's the website, Matt? Helpscout.net. How easy can that be? Helpscout.net. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Shep Hyken, reminding everyone to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.